In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is episode 108. Popular. Now, I learned something about you this week. You sure did. Erin, which mm-hmm. was that you had never heard the song Popular by Not a Surf. And as someone who were relatively the same age, someone growing up as a youth uh-huh. in the 90s, uh-huh. not knowing this song, I was aghast. You were. You were. But also very glad that you got to experience it for the first time. I did. And I enjoyed every second. I could also see why 18-year-old Amy loved it. Oh, yes. I mean, if if you listeners haven't heard this song... We're going to link to it. Mm-hmm. I command you to go watch the video. It is ninety mid nineties alt grunge gloriousness. Yes. That takes on sort of our weird obsessions with popularity, especially in high school. So I thought it was a perfect theme. It's a great theme. To talk about popularity, celebrity, all the weirdness so of our culture. Yes. And bringing in some nineties. Alt grunge. Yes. And I think that it's perfect for it to be 90s because 90s are kind of the height of some of our understanding of celebrity, you know, because it's kind of pre internet, pre social media. Mm -hmm. It was where, like, truly you were a celebrity or popular because a magazine made you so. Yeah. Or you were a movie star. Like, you couldn't just have a TikTok video and become popular. It was a different definition of popular than exists today. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good point. 100%. Um, I will say, too, that I learned in researching this that if you're youth, um, a a band called Pom 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 Squad remade this last year. Oh, really? And they did a shot-for-shot remake of the video with the lead singer, a woman, playing all the roles, the football players, the cheerleaders, everything. So... You know, worth a, a little gander? bit for every age okay. and worth a gander. Okay. Yes, indeed. Right. Okay. Worth okay. a gander. Worth, yeah. worth a, you like that? <laughs> <laughs> worth a gander. <laughs>
<laughs> I can tell that we have a weird uh, and extensive vocabulary because some of the words that come out of our mouth at random times in a recording, it's like, huh? Just not. Huh. Just gander. Not right. gander. 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 Come up and, you know, just so many. Come up and. I can't think of any of it. It's still one of the best ones. It is. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's, Okay, so thinking word. about popularity, celebrity, uh-huh. I got some questions for you. Yeah. Here. First and foremost, uh-huh. how does one achieve popularity? Well, that's the thing. I think yeah. it's arbitrary. I that, think that oh, there are yeah. no clear cut rules, especially anymore. I think that popularity means different things at different times. Yeah, like, for sure. I think maybe when we were younger, there was more clear cut rules. Mm-hmm. And if we take it, not even talking about celebrities, but just talk about like what popularity meant when like our age group was in high school, there were clear cut things, right? You had the right clothes. Yeah. You did your hair right. Yep. You hung out with the right people. Uh-huh. I don't think that exists in the same way anymore because we don't have just one brand that's taken over. Like you can't just have Z Cavarici jeans because yeah. you can buy yeah. jeans a million places on the internet, at the mall, at a bodega. Like you can get them anywhere. Yeah. And nobody really cares anymore about these certain very important rules. So then it becomes something else. Like mm-hmm. you have to be um, interesting or bringing something to the table or you're really good at something. Like that. now the rules are different. And I think it's that's true kind of of every age. I think changes. that's a good point. I mean, because we were at the cusp of the reality TV yes. uh, yeah. revolution, you uh-huh. might say, uh, with the real world and stuff. So that hadn't really taken its hold like it is today mm-hmm. where popularity is just sort of living a, a life on camera, yes. perhaps. And then if you think about like the 40s and 50s, whole different type of popularity notions, you know, we have to make the tabloids you have to uh, do what the studio tells you like there's still very strict definitions Mm -hmm. of popularity and it was easier I think to because so much more media was controlled and now with the internet and social media there's a lot of things that are in the hands of the consumer like they can put out their own stuff and use it and so making a brand or making a celebrity is a whole different kind of engine than it was before yeah like I always think about Elvis Presley and if you took him and tried to put him in today's world and Mm -hmm. tried to put him at the forefront of everything I mean he would just come across as like a lesser Justin Bieber and people would be like I don't need a boy band guy Mm-mm. like they would just ignore it a, a big sect of the population yeah. not to say that he wouldn't probably still have a young girl following or whatever yes. but that is just a different time they it were is. able to make him dominate everything because there was you were in control of it if you worked in those industries and it's interesting too that our culture it, it or elements of business and culture are still trying to catch up. When you think about like the Billboard 100 or you yeah. think about like elements that were dictating popularity like when we were younger, they still exist, but they are so irrelevant now when you think about it because yeah. you can still, you can put out music so much easier or you can, uh, I mean, even in the publishing industry, you can put out books easier if you uh-huh. go that route. So it's it's a strange, like, there's like an older definition of popularity that's still trying to cling on to relevance and it's not really there anymore absolutely I think that's absolutely true and I think even probably for people our age that um, grew up quite a bit in the 90s you know the 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 primal teenage years that we've probably witnessed the biggest change in popularity and how you get there because we we didn't have social media we didn't the internet was just starting these things weren't there when we were going through it and then all of a sudden it's there and it was there so fast Mm -hmm. that the catching up to that and understanding the impact of that on everything is very different for us because like i'm you yeah you tell me who a teen heartthrob is by buying teen bop when we were younger you know (laughs) now it's like you know it 
it's some random guy on TikTok that imitates a good dance and everybody's like, oh, you don't know who blah, blah. No. Nope. Sure don't. But I know who Kirk Cameron was. Yeah, sure do. Know who sure. River Phoenix was. You know it. Jason Bateman. Uh, I still yes. know who Jason Bateman is. Yeah, he's well, way hotter now. As, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a youth. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's he's aged like a yes. fine line. Yes. <laughs> yes, he has. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, we sound creepy. When Eddie Furlong. That. Edward oh, Furlong. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All yeah. that. I was remembering, just having a conversation, it was a couple weeks ago with my older ones, um, for whatever reason, it came up that Johnny Knoxville was re- re- like doing a whole new uh, jackass thing. Yeah. And I had this flashback when I was in my freshman year of college. A bunch of people had posters of Johnny Knoxville. Like he had become this like heartthrob type. I think because <laughs> at that time, he was one of the only examples of alternative yeah, yeah. that had sort of made mainstream. Sure. Like he had tattoos and he wore Converse and mm-hmm. he was like different than everything that we had seen And yet before. he was popular. And like, yes. yeah, I could, yeah. You I had that, that with like a 98 degrees poster and they're all in firemen uniforms being like oh you heat me up you know and you're like oh yeah give me that poster <laughs> does that poster actually exist did it you know that i had okay. it because okay. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't that was a great just off the top no, of your head it, it, it idea existed. okay it all existed. right great yeah mm-hmm. yeah i like the specificity of that one. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I was hoping yeah you know you know I wish I could remember because I had like um, a few new kids on the block things up in my locker. Oh, yeah. And I wish I could remember what what the words were there or what motif what, the they photographs. Were yeah, what yeah. they were sporting. <laughs> Probably some jeans. Probably some underwear hanging out the top. Probably, yeah. Marky uh-huh. Mark, keeping it true to form. Oh, Marky Mark. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So when, uh, <laughs> thinking about that, when you were younger, what did you think it meant? And do you, did that change at some point for you? I think because I was raised on a diet of John Hughes movies mm, mm-hmm. that I saw popularity as being kind of mean, like mean, yeah. mean people, mm-hmm. um, usually uh, moneyed folks, yeah. uh, usually <laughs> hot, moneyed folks, <laughs> moneyed folks. Uh-huh. They were usually, you know, the ones in the big houses and stuff. Yes. And they were like super hot. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and they were often very mean, especially yeah. the girls. And I think I always identified with Molly Ringwald because she was like the victim of the popular kids. And so I think with that definition of popularity, like up there, I was like, oh, I'm never going to be popular. So I'll just be like, you know, the I'll just try to hide and just be the nerdy kid and just, you know, embrace the nerdiness. And that's it. I think like only later once, you know, you and I started reading stuff about like how our culture pits women against each other. And I think it starts in high school. And I think it's that idea of popularity that like the popular girls are have to, you know, feud with the not popular girl. Like there's this whole yes. like dynamic that's set up there that only when you're older do you realize, oh my God, what bullshit that all was. Right. And I bet in a different situation, some of those people might be totally fine. Right. Yeah. Not 100%. Be assholes. Yeah. 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 100%. So popularity was a, was a thing that I was never going to achieve. And in in most of the time, I was okay with that. Yeah, I think you realize later in life it's it's okay. Like it's, totally it's just okay. not like that popularity gets you nowhere. I don't need that kind of pressure. No, good lord! No. People uh. looking to me to make fashion decisions. No, 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 no. that was no. another thing. Like, yeah, when it came to clothes, I was just like, just I. Uh. I just yeah. want to be comfortable. Yeah. I don't want to do whatever. No. There was a very brief trend of like girls wearing sweatpants to school. And I was like, I am about this. this I can good. hit this trend real good. Yep. Mm-hmm. But that was mm-hmm. very brief. 
Yeah, and then somebody took that and made it into yoga pants slash juicy yeah. couture yeah. sweatsuits. Very tight. Ruined it, yeah. Yep. Ruined it Not for all of us. Not what sweatpants are supposed to be, people. <sighs> yeah, frustrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, thinking about popularity uh, and, like I said, pitting oftentimes mm-hmm. girls against each other, um, th- it makes me think about nemeses because you and I love to talk about a good nemesis. We do. We do. It's very fun to talk uh, about nemeses. So uh-huh. did you have a nemesis in school at any age? I didn't. And I think it's only because I didn't understand it enough. Like, <laughs> I don't think I was secure enough to say, like, I don't under- like you and here's why. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't secure enough in myself to be like, that's a problem and I don't want to be around yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I think I, I maybe had that gut feeling or there are people I didn't care for mm-hmm. or whatever. But I don't I don't remember having, like, a deep feeling of, like, I can't stand that person. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now, as an adult, I have that. I don't know if I was supposed to grow <laughs> out of that, but I've grown into it is what's happened. I think growing into it is better because you're a, you have more informed yes nemesis if you make my nemesis list make no mistake yeah you've done something you've done something real bad it is not arbitrary no it's not for no reason Mm -mm. and it's not without merits (laughs) no it is not and i bet you have an excel list of all the reasons of merit correct i take copious notes yeah (laughs) (laughs) picturing a file cabinet Uh, let's see. What was your last name again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Jones. Yes, I have a file upon you. Yes. And I call my file cabinet Larry Comeuppance. <laughs> oh, good old Larry. Larry. Yeah, back. I like that. Did yeah. you have a nemesis? Well, that's the thing. I did, but only in my head. Like, <laughs> they, they didn't know they were my nemeses. Oh, okay. But... I had a full-on relationship with them in my head, and it was based on nemesis-type stuff. Like, oh. there was a girl that I thought was just very mean, and I didn't like mm. her, and so she became a nemesis. I think she had no idea who I was. Uh-huh. Um, there was a guy that was my nemesis because he and I were the top, uh, again, nerdy. We were the top GPAs of our class, and I hated him because he beat me. He, again, probably had no idea mm-hmm. the fervor with which... I was upset with him. Yeah. And then there were other just randos that I was, I just like identified as like, oh, they're mean. Okay, they're my nemesis. Yeah, I'm after it. Again, probably didn't really understand what I was talking about. And I never confronted them. I wouldn't have the audacity to do that. No, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I barely have that now. I keep files, but. Yeah. I mean, if you force me into a confrontation, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be honest, but I'm not going to like seek it out. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think what we need to do is we need to exchange our nemesis files because I can, I am known that I could stand up for other people. Ah, So yes. I could confront someone on your behalf. I like that. And I would feel better with that. If it's just on me, like standing up for myself, I'm not going to do that. Uh-huh. If I stand up for someone else, yes. I could do that. And you could probably do the same because uh-huh. I've heard you go full on grizzly about your kids oh yeah that's that's a no holds barred mm-hmm. i that never bothers me mm-hmm. i will that is one area that for whatever reason guard down i will come at you like mm-hmm. a spider monkey <laughs> and it is on <laughs> the most ferocious animal in the animal kingdom I will eat your face the off. spider monkey <laughs> <laughs> yep okay that's my mm-hmm. level yeah. right there yeah 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 yeah, yeah. You can see, I think, you know, we're at this episode 108. I mean, I think it's pretty clear to people why I don't have a good grasp of popularity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think part of it is maybe it was uh, not achievable to either of us. Yeah. And so then we quickly became aware 
as soon as we got out of high school, that popularity wasn't a thing that was necessary yeah. or like it wasn't like it didn't help to strive get anywhere. for. Yeah, no. it didn't achieve anything. And what bothers me now, and I think that that's why I'm bothered by like the parents, particularly mothers, like the Instagram moms that are around activities that your kids can be in where they feel like they're, you know, they have to be perfect and they present this image Ugh. and they post everything and they're, you know, they have to look a certain way. And it's like, you know what? You're you're doing it again. Yeah, you're you're putting yourself again. in a popularity contest, but you're using your kids as like your horse in the race. And yeah. it's like, I don't, that's, what are you gaining? What are you gaining? Because yeah. everybody's, I'm sorry, social media has just served to make us more snarky. So everybody's sitting at home looking at the Instagram post and being like, get off it, Cheryl. They're I mean, looking for you know, a way to bring other people down and it's yeah. achievable via social media. So yeah, it's yeah. not going to. I feel like it's it gives the illusion that it's achievable yeah. now. And it yeah. has all these people striving, but it's still as arbitrary as it ever was. Because yeah. two people can do the same thing and it's not going to equal the same result. Mm-mm. And that is true. Like the times that I tried to copy fashion trends two people wearing the same thing one of them is definitely working yeah one of them spoiler alert is me and it's not working <laughs> it's like if you put me on tiktok and i did a tiktok oh, dance gosh. it would be no like there is you know we've talked about many ways that age is a good thing yes that is a way we can fall back on. Listen, I'm in my 40s. I can't do TikTok. So we don't even have to try. No, we don't, don't even have to, try. have to try. I'm officially the age where I don't understand things. Like we yeah. my, we had a concert this week for Evan and there were songs that they sang that I know are pop songs. And I was like, I don't know what this is or who it is. Mm-mm. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Got nothing. Uh-uh. I just had dead behind the eyes. I was just like, huh, <laughs> here we are. And then, you know, they'd get to, I'd be like, oh, I know that song. Mm-hmm. You know. I'm uh taking some like... Uh, piano lessons via an app Mm -hmm. which is great love it except that probably 75% of the songs are current pop songs and I got nothing nothing. I had nothing Nothing. so I'm clinging hard to the songs that I know yeah and learning them back to front and the other ones like I I recognize that name but that one I don't recognize anything there's letters in there I recognize but nothing else no not a thing Mm -mm. and that's okay that's all right. We use we this because it's a great theme for books. Yes. Not yes. because we're the experts on it. <laughs> so. I mean, that's pretty clear. Yeah. Also, I wanted to uh, remark upon the fact that we have achieved not a popularity contest, but uh, we are reaching our three-year anniversary <gasps> of our podcast. You're right. Out. Wow. That's something. Time fucking flies. It really does. I felt the need to put the F word in I'm there. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. <laughs> Three years calls for it. It does. <laughs> it does. Wow. So to all of our nemeses who thought we would never make it, and I don't hmm. know of any offhand. Oh, there's some. But there's some? There's some. Are they in your Do you remember cabinet? that review? Oh, my God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Suck it, reviewer. Suck it. With emoji name. Emoji name. Yeah. yeah. That's not cool, by the way, to no, have your not. name be emojis. I'm not popular, but I do know that. <laughs> So there. Well, stick it to you. I was gonna say stick it to the man, and I was like, that doesn't work. What are we talking about? Oh my god, this is why. This is that is a real time illustration of why popularity is not achievable for me. Us. Yeah, I get yeah. too far, and then it just I and go nuts. Just, yeah, yeah. I'm like a kid on a pixie stick, and they're like, enough. I was reading something re- lately that 
lately. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> but it was not a pixie stick, but it was describing one of those like packs where fun you Fun dip. Fun dip. That's yeah, it. Yeah. That was just straight up sugar, right? Yeah. Mason got one in his Valentine's Day Oh my Day God. Box. They still exist? Yeah. And he ate it and he was, it was stained and Ugh. he was high on life. Oh I'll boy. tell you that. It's, yeah. What is that? Yeah. It's like Kool-Aid in a pouch you're dipping a sugar yeah. spoon into. Yeah. I mean, kudos to the fun dip people for some degree because they were, just didn't even try. I mean, they've been popular enough to exist this. from our childhood to now. No, Dan, you're not getting it. We're going to dye the sugar and that is it. That's it. This is a killer idea. That is Get all we're going to do. Get on board, Dan. But what are you licking off of? An edible spoon. What are you not understanding? That tastes like a cough drop. This is our fall product. <laughs> It's going to be huge. We might even put two colors in one pack, divided in a little sealed pouch. Who's going to buy this? Everyone. (laughs) We're going to put it in every ballpark across the land. Yes. In all the school vending machines. Yes. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Get it. Get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on par with Fun Dip. Yes. I have a fiction. (laughs) Best transition. Yep, yep, yep. I have a fiction pick that engages with something that may be as popular as Fun Dip, which is true crime. Yes! (laughs) You know it's my Fun Dip. True crime is my Fun Dip. Yes, and also let's acknowledge that you had Sarah Weinman Day last week. Oh, Sarah Weinman put out a new book. She did. And and it came out last week. I almost was going to post it on social media. And do you want to know what happened? What? I selfishly said, no, I want this for myself. <laughs> you have the yeah. right to keep some things to Her yourself. Her new book Aaron. came out 2-22-22, and I can tell you that I had to wait till Friday to get it, uh, and because the, the place I ordered it from was behind on shipping, yeah. apparently, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I already started it, and it's a delight. Ugh. And Yeah, I, you reached out to me multiple times uh-huh. about the, it's release day, it's coming today, I saw a notice, it's coming in the mailbox today! Yeah, and we then t- I, I sent you a picture when I actually had it in yeah, my you hands, did. because, yeah. why wouldn't I? She's number one popular in your book. <sighs> She's really Popularity the top of my queen! List. I know, it, and it, that snuck up on me, but I am obsessed. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. you are. Mm-hmm. Well... Okay, so my fiction pick uh-huh. is not Sarah Weinman, that's because that's, yeah, yeah. that's understandable. Um, it is called Devil House, and Ooh. it's by John Darnielle. Okay. And if you remember, I recommended a book by him that's a few episodes familiar. ago, yeah. Wolf in White Van. Okay. But this is the brand new book, uh, just came out a month or two ago. Hot off the presses. Hot we off need, the like, presses. I always want to come up with effect. these sounds, yeah. but then I, that feels like a morning radio show. <laughs> it really like, does. It feels like, like then we're going to have to add some fart sounds or something, you know, oh, and wow. we don't want yeah, that. No, we don't want that. That's not our brand. If you hear a fart sound, that is an accident. <laughs> that's just, that's natural. That's no sound machine. <laughs> I want like a sizzling, hot off the press. And that, why? Why does that equal in my head? I just. I don't know. But if you, we were to incorporate that, I don't know if I could keep a straight face and continue speaking. Or could we have one that just says, shut <laughs> Those things are people are like touching their butt and it's hot. Like, I'm not explaining you. No, I know exactly what you mean. by the way (laughs) (laughs) see 
See, this is the problem. If we were to incorporate sound effects, we would go done. up. <laughs> it's done. It's <laughs> over. We're just talking about them. We can't we handle can't. it. In a one minute span, we have fully discussed and decided against sound effects just based on our yep. reaction. That's what mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. I mean, for the purposes of today, I'll just do it. It's hot. <laughs> We may not want to tag John Darnielle on social just because. Why? You don't think he'd like that? Maybe he would. Maybe he'd be all over it. Be like, those broads, they know how to sell my book. They are. Have you heard their hot off the press sound? It's amazing. A big budget on that show. Oh, okay, yeah. Hang mm-hmm. on a second. Just going to wipe my eyes. Yeah. Good luck my explaining this book fucked. now. <laughs> I really set you up for a success. <laughs> you really did. Well, yeah, there's no way to pivot, so oh, I'm just right. gonna just, just gonna yeah. do it. Okay. Uh-huh. So Devil House mm-hmm. is the book. Gage Chandler is the main character, and he is a true crime writer. And he kind of stumbled into it when he, I think, right out of college, he wrote about a modern legend in his hometown, and it took off. It was a huge success. It was turned into a movie. So he's written several books since then. He's just turned it into his career, and. After a good amount of years doing this, his editor reaches out with a new idea. Um, He has a newspaper clipping about a small town near San Francisco that had a strange story from 1986 with a couple of notorious unsolved murders. And it was chalked up to teens in a satanic cult because it was the 80s and everything was satanic. Satanic Satanic murders. Yep. So Gage and his editor, they come up with an idea to buy the house where the case happened. And Gage will move to that house. Move. Gage. (laughs) Shut down. Gage. And he's going to learn everything possible and he's going to write his next Uh, bestseller. Oh, no. And it starts out that way. It's normal for Mm -hmm. him. He's collecting his research. He's talking to townspeople who are a bit hesitant about digging up this old case. And by the way, the case involved a porn store. It was uh, abandoned and a few teens supposedly moved into the porn store, which had all the uh, paraphernalia still in it Uh and turned it into supposedly a Satan worship center and killed two adults in grisly fashion involving a sword. Okay. 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 But of course, as Gage digs in, there's much more to the story. And as he digs, he starts to reconsider some of his past work, especially the first book that, you know, kind of set him on his path, which was called White Witch of Morrow Bay. And it was about a teacher that supposedly lured two teens to her house and then killed and dismembered them. Oh, dark. So those are some of the elements of this story, but there is so much more to it. And it's a super cool format because it starts with Gage talking about this case and his goal. Then it switches to the story of the White Witch Mm. of Morrow Bay. Then there's the story of the teens in the Devil House. Then there's a letter from a person connected to one of the books that uh, Gage wrote. And finally, to the real story of the Devil House. Including, there's a brief section in there that has a, a sort of medieval Old English story. Oh my gosh. Of these like knights uh, protecting their home. So it is such a ride. It's so interesting and cool. And it's a really heartfelt and complicated story. And I chose it for this theme because, like I said, I think the height of popularity in books right now may be uh, true crime yeah. books. And not just books, of course, you know, shows, movies, everything. And Gage knows the kinds of stories that sell, the kind that resonate in our modern culture. And he care, he uh, caters his process and his writing to serve that. Mm-hmm. And he has he doesn't try to 
get a story wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not trying to be a hack or anything. But as he works, he starts to wonder if the act of trying to tell a true story, uh, a painful and a terrible story, is actually harmful to real people involved. Yeah. And that pressure of knowing what he should do and knowing knowing the story that he should be telling for his career to to Uh make money, it comes to a head. And it's sparked in part by finding out how his past books have impacted some people. Mm. So I think the book engages with what's popular in our pop culture, what kind of stories achieve fame, why we're obsessed with killers, uh-huh. um, and why we're not obsessed with the people maybe we should be, the the ones that society leaves out, who mm-hmm. fall through the cracks, who commit crimes to defend their lives and their homes and mm-hmm. get twisted. So there's a lot here. It's a, it's a really, like I said, really interesting ride with some cool formats, and you mm-hmm. never quite know what you're going to get next. And Wow. Whew. It's good Sounds stuff. Great. Yeah. Okay. It's it's hot. Hot hot hot. hot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know why, but that just you really got to me, Erin. You really got to me with that one. Well, my fiction pick this week is is it's a double pick like yours. It's what? an author that I've brought up before, but it's not as as front list. It's June twenty twenty one, but it's called The Maidens by Alex Mike. Yeah, Michael sees Mike. Nope, that's not how you say it. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at your sheet of notes right here, and in a very big font, <laughs> you spelled out the last name phonetically, and you still fucked it up. <laughs> I don't know what it is about this name. I am like a mental block. This is a thing that has been happening my entire life. There is something about names. And there's like a, I have a mental thing where even when you tell me how to say it, I can't say it. Yeah. It won't come out. Michaelides. That's what it is. Michaelides. I was saying Excellent. Michael Ides, but it's okay. Michaelides. Okay, there you Alex go. Alex yep. Michaelides, okay? I previously <clears throat> recommended The Silent Patient. Amazing, great. Yes. He used to be um, kind of a film writer out of California. This is his second book. Uh, and I loved it just as much. I think it has different things. It references The Silent Patient, but you certainly Ooh. don't have to read it okay. to know what's going on. The main character, Marianne, is struggling to adjust to her new normal. She recently lost her husband and is now the sole guardian of her niece, Zoe, because Zoe's parents were killed when Zoe was younger um, in a car accident, and her and her husband basically took Zoe in. And so they've always been close. And she, uh, Marianne herself is a therapist, and she's very successful, and her main um way that she does therapy is group therapy. She's a really successful uh, administrator of group therapy. So she gets this call one night from Zoe and Zoe says, my my roommate's missing and I'm freaking out. I don't know where she is. I think it's bad. She's got this really terrible boyfriend. I don't know what's up. And she's like, please, can you come to me at college? And she's in at Cambridge University. And Marianne is like, I doesn't really want to go because Cambridge is the place where her and her husband fell in love. And she's still dealing with his death. Uh, and she's just like, I don't, but I have to be there for Zoe. Yeah. So she ends up going. And when she gets there, she ends up being square in the middle of an investigation because basically when she shows up, they find Zoe's roommate's body. And she's been murdered. In the course of the time there, there happens to be another murder. And all of the signs are pointing to this guy named Edward Fosca, who is a 
professor at the university Ooh. and he is this dark dreamy like oh. professor and he has a group around him called the maidens oh no yep, female students that he's oh, handpicked no. that do like reading and writing salons and listen to what he says and they decide that no 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 he can't be a suspect and they all take up <sighs> arms and are protecting him oh, so God. immediately she's like okay this is weird but she can't get the police on her side because she doesn't have any hard evidence mm-hmm. so she spent the rest of the book trying to figure this out sometimes with the help of Zoe sometimes not and one of the interesting things is she uses some of her group therapy techniques in this situation with these maidens who are acting as a group even though they're individuals wow it's fascinating there's a lot of interesting references to Greek mythology Um, it's just an interesting book about story that weaves in all kinds of you know thoughts that we have or preconceived notions we have and how hard it is sometimes to break those because mm-hmm. they've been deep rooted by something. Um, it is, it's a great mystery. It was a really good story. I picked it for this theme because it, it's dealing with popularity on a lot of different levels. One, you've got this professor who's so popular that he couldn't possibly be wrong. You've got this group of maidens who are popular just because he picked them. Yeah. And if you're not in the group, you're not popular enough. You have Zoe who's popular because she kind of does her own thing. Mm-hmm. She like isn't willing to be caught up in all of this other stuff. So there's all these elements that affect how other people react to them and how far they're willing to go in accusing them or even investigating them. And it also deals with the... When when ideas aren't popular like how do we get people on our side when they can't fathom what we're talking about which which kind of butts up to the true crime thing mm-hmm. absolutely and i think that's part of our fascination sometimes is these horrible things are true and we can't believe that that's the case yeah. so we're fascinated by it so I, like i said i really enjoyed his first book i liked this one too i think it um brings kind of a different whole different side different feel um it has as many twists and turns and an interesting ending and i hope that he keeps writing in this genre you know what i immediately thought of was bunny by mona yes Watt and the yes. group of girls that yes. like act as one that yeah. feels very it is fun. very yeah. yeah similar to that in a lot of ways mm-hmm. yeah very good i mean you started off a little tentative with your mispronunciation mm-hmm. And I need to express how high the font is. It's huge. Of, it's huge. <laughs> of the phonetic spelling of the mm-hmm. last name. And still you messed it up. And I, I, I even, love it. I'm I looking at it, it right now. Look- and I'm not sure I could say it. <laughs> Michaelides. There you got it. Alex Michaelides. Yes. Oh, boy. Okay. He, luckily, he's popular enough. He probably <laughs> won't listen to this. <laughs> so basically, we're not going to tag any of our authors this week yeah, in our social what media. What a rough week for them. <laughs> sorry, guys. So sorry. Well. For my other genre pick, I have got a book by Bob Boylan, who was, who is, excuse me, host and creator of NPR's All Songs Considered okay. and Tiny Desk Concerts. Okay. And if you've listened to All Songs Considered, it's a podcast that's been going on for a long time. Um, and Tiny Desk Concerts is exactly what it is. Like musicians come to this very tiny desk in the NPR headquarters and play to the staff. And it's wonderful. And they get all sorts of people. Like they had a Lizzo one a few years ago where what? you can tell the people that are so excited to be in that small area because they get to interact with yeah. the people. And they get to, it's a different kind of sound that comes from the Sure. Type. Anyway, all that to say that Bob Boylan has been sort of a fixture at NPR yeah. um, as a music critic and as a music journalist for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he's the author of this book called Your Song Changed My Life. And Ooh. this came out in 2016. And in this book, it's a 
very simple concept. He talks to musicians across genres and different popularities to ask them one question. Is there an unforgettable song that changed your life? Mm. And it's so cool because you get the answer to that from people like Dave Grohl of Foo oh. Fighters and Carrie Brownstein of Slater Kinney, Jeff Tweedy of Wilco and St. Vincent and David Byrne and Jenny Lewis and Leon Bridges and just the list of people that he talks to is phenomenal. And all of them, because they are asked this you know, question, they get to talk about the songs and the artists that inspired them or made them fall in love with music or made them want to make their own music. Right. So just a few examples like St. Vincent... Uh, her real name's Annie Clark, and she performs at St. Vincent. She A box of CDs literally fell off of a delivery truck in front of her house. And then she found like the the music that turned her into musician. Oh, my gosh. Um, Dave Grohl describes how, and I've heard this uh, story a few times, because he describes seeing a punk band in Chicago at the Cubby Bear, which is a place that I would often go right across from Wrigley Field. Um, Courtney Barnett talks about uh, her love of a Wilco tune that made her want to write specific songs. And Carrie Brownstein talks about the replacements. And so it's just on and on about all of these musicians talking about how other musicians affected them. And I chose it for this theme for two reasons. One, you know, popular music and the aura around it, it defines our culture for mm-hmm. good or for bad. And there's levels of popularity to it, right? There's like the musicians that sell out stadiums mm-hmm. and there's the musicians that have small cult audiences that follow them all around. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I chose it because I think this is demystifying the idea of popular mm. by showing all these creative people that are very popular in their own right. And it's just showing them as like people that just really fell in love with music and they yeah. just have obsessions about particular songs and particular kinds of music. And they're just like us in that way, Aaron. Yes. Just like, like us. us. Uh-huh. I think there's something very satisfying about learning who inspires our favorite performers you know and you and I have explored that with our bonus series where Mm -hmm. we talked to some of our favorite authors and they get to talk about their influences and it's so the energy is infectious it's a really you know we always have a great conversation there and you get that energy by reading this book oh so it's really cool yeah very cool and Bob Boylan he like I said he's a fixture but he's also no matter that he's been in this for so long he has that love and energy of music that is infectious too I can see why you love that book. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. if I was going to see a book, that'd be an Amy book right yeah. there. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. Well, uh, my other genre pick this week is actually a book that you gifted me. What? I know. It was published in 2019, and that year it won the Edgar Award for Best Fact Crime Book, which means, like, best true crime mm-hmm. nonfiction mm-hmm. book. And it's called The Less People Know About Us, mm. A Mystery of Betrayal, Family Secrets, and Stolen Identity by Axton Betts Hamilton. I think I read that. Uh, title and I was like that's got everything that Aaron likes so I don't need to read anything more no this is it it's amazing yeah so it was like I mentioned published in 2019 Axton uh, grew up in Indiana in the 90s and early on things were tough uh, her and her family actually lived on a farm with her grandfather after her grandma died and basically caring for the farm for her grandpa and they lived there and cared for him until his death. And they had lots of money troubles right away because they're trying to all work on this farm. And so that limits what her dad can do to earn money outside of there because there's so much work to be done. And 
complicating things is that when Axton is 11, both of her parents' identities are stolen, and it causes all kinds of havoc on their credit and ability to do anything with money because this is pre-internet. So banks, companies, authorities, everybody's very reluctant to help because nobody really understands what identity theft is yet. It kind of sounds like BS. Like, Uh what are you talking? No one did that. Like, you did this to yourself type of thing. So they were constantly having to prove that this happened. And they naturally got more and more suspicious of people around them because it kept happening and it kept feeling like, well, somebody has to have access to this information and is doing this to us. Oh my gosh. So in order to protect themselves, they withdrew basically from all of their family and friends, which basically forces Axton to remain friendless through high school. Um, She's very suspicious of people. Her mom is very suspicious. And her mom and her dad's relationship is just deteriorating. I mean, they are living two separate lives. And the things that get talked about, and they have all these weird instances that happen, and nobody really explains them. And Axton just sort of internalizes that as normal. And fast forward a little bit, she goes off to college. And when she gets there, she discovers that her identity has been stolen. (laughs) And that her credit has just been ruined as well. And from there, it take some real twisty turns. Um, If you Google her, you're going to find out what the twisty turn is right away, but I I don't want to ruin it for you. Um, But it is, it's it's so, so interesting. Um, And I picked this for the theme because this family really normalized eschewing popularity or anything that had to do with it. They were really isolated and that had an effect too. As you know, we talk a lot about popularity being toxic and Mm -hmm. the things it can do, but there's also this other side where completely isolating yourself can be just as scary. And so, and, and it also made them, um, turn inward and not really trust anyone else, which actually kind of made them easier victims in an odd way. So it also really, in my opinion, illustrates that justice is also reserved for likable people, sympathetic victims. Oh my God, yeah. We don't get justice a lot of times for people that don't seem sympathetic or that people don't like. Yeah, Even if it's the same crime where we understand that it was wrong, if people don't behave a certain way or they don't look a certain way or they don't act a certain way, we're not willing to say, oh, you know what? You you deserve justice just as much as this other person does. Um, And as much as we don't want that to be, popularity plays a big role in that. Yeah. Also, it has a very interesting tie to to Iowa because Axton did her grad um, program at Iowa State. Oh, wow. And she talks about that in the book. So there's an interesting little tie there. But, you know, fascinating. Um, I would imagine that even after she wrote this book, she's probably still dealing with some of the stuff in it. It is, it's a wild, wild ride. I'll tell you that. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Talk about formative experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. You know, it made me think about um, the idea of like popularity as in effect sort of enforcing what we consider is normal too, right? absolutely. Yeah. And how like that is also, it it can be good, but it can also be very, very bad and Mm -hmm. and cause effects. Like you just said, like if if we're not seeing a victim that's supposedly normal, Mm -hmm. then we're not going to feel... Um, charitable towards them in any way. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. 100%. Which is maybe, in some ways, why popularity is so, eludes so many of us too, because the idea of normal isn't very inclusive for a lot of people. Right. Yeah, Yeah, very true. Mm -hmm. It's a good one. You picked a good one for me. Well, I do what I can, Erin. Yeah. I do what I can. I feel like we need a sound effect for that, but I've come, I'm at a loss on what it would be. 
I leave that to you and your sound effect uh, genius. Because I feel the earlier like it one needs was to good. be like a, a more subtle one because okay. we came out of the gate really hard with we, hot. Real I feel hard. like it needs to be the thing like when you're at a play and they're telling you intermissions over where it's like ding, ding, ding. Like, yeah, you picked a good one for me. Ding, ding, ding. ding. Yeah. Oh, kind of subtle. I but like it. Like expected, but also drawing attention to it. And it feels good. Mm-hmm. Like it's a nice gentle sound. It is a gentle sound. Yeah, yeah. Which reinforces that we're we're just good we're at good. Uh, at picking books and sound effects. Obviously, sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> I got that on lock. Let's be honest. Who knew uh-huh. that we would display such skill in sound effects? I know. I didn't predict I it. I didn't. I didn't either. Who no. knew? Who knew? Who knew? I mean, we when we were kids, a podcast didn't exist, so we couldn't have That's predicted true. any of this. No one would knew I would become the Mozart of podcast nice. sounds. No one knew. No one knew. <laughs> you're not going to hide my light under a bushel. Hell no, you're not. <laughs> Okay, so for pop culture, yes, I have a movie film. A, a movie film, yeah. <laughs> need a sound for that too. For a yeah. movie film, like yeah, the sound, <laughs> like the film clicking yeah, out of yeah, the thing, yeah, which <laughs> you know may not exist as much anymore. But I don't know what that sounds like. What that or the noise. sound of like a VHS tape getting caught in the rewinder, oh, you know, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. or the, like the rewinding, having yeah. to rewind over, and yeah, over and over again. Anyway, mm-hmm. okay, so pop culture mm-hmm. movie film called Don't Look Up. Oh. And this came out last uh, December uh-huh. in 2021. Have you seen this one? Aaron? No, Mike um, very rudely watched it without me after I what? said I wanted to watch it. Yeah. And then he was like, hey, this new movie, Don't Look Up, was really good. And I was like, you're a jerk. Do you know how often that happens in our relationship? What? Once a week. Like he thinks that when I say I want to watch that, somehow that translates in his brain to like someone told me about it. So I should watch it like when I'm not around. And then. How? That- <sighs> Michael. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's a, that doesn't it's, make any sense. It's a point of contention. It's I would assume so. Probably the only thing we fight about, to be honest, because <laughs> it happens all the time. And sometimes he tries to play it off. Like I'll be like, "Hey, I wanted to start this show," and then I'll go to start it. And it's like in season two, and I'm like, "Wait, has someone been watching this?" He'd be like, "I don't know." <gasps> I'm like, "You've been watching it, like just a minute." See, this is the thing, Mike. You have to have your own category of shows that Aaron is not interested in. Yes. And you can watch those on your own. And he has a ton. Okay. So, yeah, you got to stick to that. Stick to the parameters. Yeah. Not hard. You've been put on notice, Mike. Not hard. You heard it here. Yeah. If you're listening to us, which you should be listening you should. to us. So, this is another test. Yeah. It's, it's a another test. test, buddy. If you hear this, you should come to me and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know this is a sore subject, That's but right. I'm going to talk I about it anyway. I, let's okay. go. Okay. Yep. Don't look up. I'm not taken away from the movie film. Okay, good. Because yep. it's a good movie film. Mm-hmm. Um, so a young astronomer, Kate, who is played by Jennifer Lawrence, is working one night and she discovers a comet, which is super exciting. Um, but then her mentor, Dr. Mindy, who's played by Leonardo DiCaprio, um, they're they're partying, they're excited, and he's doing some calculations to figure out, like, you know, how fast it's moving, its trajectory, all that kind of stuff. And he discovers, oh, shit, the comet's coming straight for us. And it's a planet killer type comet. Like, oh. there's no escaping this, and it's coming at us in six months. Oh, my gosh. So they start making some calls, panicking, and eventually make it to the White House to brief the president. But the president is Meryl Streep, who plays a very Trump-type character. Okay. Um, and she is too preoccupied with politics to really care about mm. this. And her son, Jonah Hill, mm-hmm. is too much of an asshole idiot to take them seriously. 
So they are left sort of with no recourse and they decide, Kate and Dr. Minnie decide to get the story out on their own. So they start talking to the news. They end up on a talk show with Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry. Those are the two hosts. Kate Blanchett looks plastic surgery to all hell. Oh, yeah. And it's great because they are put at the end of the segment. It's the science segment. Oh, sure. And they come after a segment in which two pop stars played by Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi uh, get engaged. And then they have to describe what's happening, but not scare the audience. You got to play it nice. You know, you got to oh got to play with the hosts and yeah. like, do all the things. Okay. So from there, it continues. The astronomers are desperate trying to get this word out. And of course, gender comes into play because Kate is portrayed as a screaming hag telling everyone they're all going to die, where Dr. Mindy is portrayed as America's great hot hope. Oh, he's the hot scientist. Oh, he's so oh, oh, we're going to no. listen to him. Then a ridiculous, creepy tech billionaire played by Mark Rylance gets involved and shit just gets wild from there. This is hilarious. It is terrific satire. It is painfully true. But it's also got a really super touching and heartfelt ending, too, which you oh. don't really see coming. Terrific actors all across the board just playing playing roles that you may not normally see them in, which is yeah. so funny. And why I chose it for this theme is I think that what is often popular is not often the most important stuff. And I saw an interview with Adam McKay, who uh -huh. did this movie, and he was talking about how climate change, right, is the most pressing issue probably of our planet, but no one wants to talk about it because it's depressing and it's scary. And so no one can really talk about it in a nuanced and popular way. Right. Instead, we are obsessed with social media feuds and celebrity romances and political distraction. So here we get a full-on extinction event coming towards us and people cannot or will not comprehend because they're too focused on the latest pop culture fad or topic or whatever. And there's a, I like it that there's an element of helplessness and cynicism that, that's dealt with too. I think we feel this all the time, like right now with all the stuff in the Ukraine, like what the, what the hell are we supposed to do about it? Mm -hmm. We just feel helpless and we mm -hmm. feel hopeless in a lot of ways. And we know that there's so many bad and dangerous and pivotal things going on, but we feel powerless. So we look for humor or hope and we find it in what's popular. And I, I've thought about this movie a ton. Mm -hmm. I think it, it really stays with you. I laughed a lot. And the ending gives you like laughs and tears and a great final joke. It's it's oh. just really good. It Highly also feels like it has some parallels to kind of the pandemic, right? Like we Absolutely. had this like kind of quote extinction uh, event yeah. and that everyone was like too focused on the wrong things to even take it seriously. Like we didn't want to take it on. So then and we focus on other things. I don't know if this was made like before or after the pandemic, but all of our current like weirdness around masks and everything, it feels there's an element here where there's this campaign going about looking up versus don't look up. Uh, and it's very much like a red versus blue kind uh -huh. of thing. It is so spot on and just, yeah, absolutely who we are. And it's very frustrating, but also hilarious. Well, it sounds great. And seeing Meryl Streep as a real shitty politician. That seems like a great role for her. Yeah. I mean, like she could really play that well. And Jonah Hill is her chief of staff because he's her son and he's carrying this huge Birkin bag thing around. It's just, it's wonderful. And Leonardo DiCaprio is just sort of this very funny guy just caught up in all of it. He's just like, oh, I'm accidentally hot and I'm a scientist. Yeah. Well, what can I do? Right. I can date I like Kate Blanchett. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I can do. <laughs> 
Well, I um, it brought a TV series. A for TV series? A TV so what's the sound for series. that? A TV series, huh? There's no real sound for that. Click. <laughs> Your remote turning it on, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Do you think that incorporating all these sound effects will diminish the uh, seriousness of what we talk about? 100%. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. Just checking. Exactly why. Yep. It's, it will uh-huh. be a morning radio show with, you know. <laughs> Big Bob and Larry yeah. bringing you the traffic. That's what I'm telling you. It's yeah. getting closer and closer to fart jokes. and It's there. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's uh-huh. on the edge. It's on yeah, the edge. On the I edge. think ours are more endearing. Definitely. But it's teetering. Yeah. It's teetering. And for a while, we definitely had regular podcast appearances that yeah. were sort of filling that. They but these days, the they just ignore us. Yeah, they don't even care. I haven't even seen Ziggy today. No, no. He... he took off the minute you came in rude yeah oh, all right anyway. anyway uh the tv series that i picked is called better call saul oh and this started in 2015 it ran for six seasons it stars bob odenkirk as saul goodman and you might know bob odenkirk from snl writing days from like everything, everything. funny he yes. is amazing wonderful um, but he plays, uh, he played as a really seedy lawyer in the series Breaking Bad. And this story, this is basically a series takes place before Breaking Bad. It's like the prequel to it. Like, where did Saul Goodman come from? Um, however, you do not need to watch Breaking Bad to enjoy this because it's his, he's his own character. It's his own thing. Um, I, for one, have always loved Bob Odenkirk's writing. Like, there's something about his sense of humor that lines up really well with mine. And I'm just, I just always find him funny. And I enjoy watching him kind of not only write this, but then be the leading character in it, too. Because you kind of need him specifically, almost, to deliver some of the lines and actions that he takes. He definitely plays a guy that you see, you can understand why he takes the actions he takes, but they're still not great. (laughs) <laughs> but you can get there like yeah. and that's yeah. that's just his tagline in the show for his law firm is i'm your num- i'm number one on your speed dial right next to your weed dealer well there you go i mean he's just putting it out yeah there. so i picked it for this theme because saul in the show desperately wants to be something he's not and he spends really the, a good part of the show struggling with that like he's trying to be this um, really great high-end lawyer. Um, his older brother was, and he feels like it's this family destiny, and he's trying, and he's trying, and no matter how hard he tries, he can't get there. Mm. So instead of just keeping on, keeping on, mm-hmm. he says, you know what? I'm just going to accept who I am. And who I am is kind of a cut-rate CD lawyer <laughs> that's going to have some weird clients and might do some questionable slash immoral things. Yeah. And I'm going to embrace that. And I love that when we're talking about popularity because it's it's an interesting, like, I can't reach that, so I'm just going to go this direction. Mm-hmm. It, it has something to say about the expectations we put on yeah, people. Yeah, that's a good And point. how those expectations kind of end up creating other things we didn't think of. Mm-hmm. Kind of... It kind of you kind of alluded to that at the end when you're talking about Devil House about yes. you know we we don't focus sometimes on how much we shun people or push people to the outside because they don't fit a certain box mm-hmm. or a certain idea of what we're supposed to have. I also p- picked it for this for this idea of popularity because Bob Odenkirk is not who you would pick as a leading man like he's not traditionally handsome yeah he's not well you know he doesn't have some great bod or anything like that he's not an action hero but he's also got this great dark comedic ability and great timing and it makes him the perfect lead for a dark comedy drama mm-hmm. so it's something that you would never traditionally if you looked on paper you'd say no he's not going to be popular 
but then he is uh-huh. and it's and i love that kind of playing that on you know putting that on its head a little bit but really funny show even if you didn't watch breaking bad or even if you didn't like breaking bad if you watched it and didn't like it you're gonna uh, this show is just funny it, that's what it is it's dark funny which that's your sweet spot it is yeah it is i mean you're dealing with crime sometimes you're Mm -hmm. dealing with family drama he's got relationship drama there's just some great stuff and you're gonna see a few of the characters from breaking bad if you have favorites they're probably gonna appear in here Mm. at different points but just little you know cameos which are great and it helps you understand why he became the gross guy behind the desk with the ring (laughs) and the cushy cadillac in breaking bad wow mm mm-hmm I like the idea of just owning it and saying, hey, I'm going to be seedy and gross. Yeah. Let's just do it. Uh Uh-huh. And he went for it. Yeah. And I like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, I want to call out the fact that you just said he has a a bod or like a not a good bod or something like that. And it just made me think of all the teen bop, like things like they would talk about, like hot bod or something like that. Yeah, that's what I was getting. Like Bob Odenkirk isn't going to be on the front of Fitness Magazine. He's not going to be in the firefighter outfit that you were describing no and i would say that to his face i'm not trying to be insulting i'm sure he fully is aware of that yeah it just doesn't fit the what you would normally consider a leading man no you know yeah because like let's be honest even when paul rudd's playing a weird character yeah it's still paul rudd it's still paul rudd he's still hot yeah yeah he's still got it Uh uh-huh so there's a nice reference to him in snl last night as the sexiest man I mean, they did pretty good mm-hmm. with that one. They yeah. really brought out all the guest stars last oh, night. Oh, so okay. Many. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It was good work. Hmm. Well, we've uh, set a future path for ourselves in morning radio. Yes, we have. In this episode, or at least we've con- uh, considered it and uh, put it down. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're branching out. We are. We're trying. We're trying to bring you things in all the formats. Yeah. In all the ways that you would we like may not to be us. the most popular, but man, we're going to entertain you. Maybe you'll even get a, a cassette tape from us of all of our sound effect sounds. <laughs> Remember when those were the popular? Tapes like that no one machine? will be able to play. Yeah, no. But we're going to do it anyway. Remember when those are popular? Yeah. Like weird, like here's a funny answering machine messages oh to put God. on, or like, and it was all just something funny on a like here, like here is sound effects yeah. on a yeah. cassette. I don't we, know anyone that accurately or effectively used those, but uh-huh. I remember they existed. We've lived through interesting times. So much interesting. So times. many interesting popularity fads and things, yeah. technology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will admit to the fact that when the iPhone first came out, I was like, who wants a camera with their phone? Like, that's dumb. Yeah. What are you so doing? So my, my hand is not on the pulse of America's popularity Right. Things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll admit that when I first heard about the internet, I was like, so it's like an old school filing cabinet. <laughs> You're just putting information that people can look up. Just go to the library. I mean, that's it. How I So I have to get a special thing. Yep. Get a special subscription. Mm-hmm. Get a CD. Yeah. Install it on my computer. And then find the information. Yeah. I'll just go to the library. Just and go use to the, the library. antiquated Dewey Decimal System. Yeah. Thank you. I've got my atlas and my dictionary yeah. and my chronicle of the 20th century. What else do I need? What do I need? Nothing. Nothing. And now I can't even, I can't even remember what the world was without Google. I can't either. Do you remember when Ask Jeeves became popular? Whoa. Briefly. And people would just ask random questions. Everyone yes. was fascinated that it had the answers. Like, yeah. you know, now we're like, okay, I get it. It's an algorithm, you mm-hmm. know, but we didn't have the language for that. So we're like, we thought it was magic. It's and magic. And it just answers questions. <laughs> you can sit around and say, Jeeves, what's the weather going to be?
be tomorrow. And then they would tell you, what's the capital of Utah? Here it is. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, magic is just like technology that's way like beyond what you're so for example like if our grandparents were to be transported to this time uh-huh. and interface with all the technology they'd be like this is magic you're right well magic's the word we use for things we don't understand exactly right? this happens so it's magic yeah uh-huh. just like those sound effects they're magic Aaron. we don't understand them no but man they're magic they make for a magical episode <laughs> i'll tell you that <laughs> the good news is you get more of thanks this. for landing the plane we're just yeah, we're just riffing just riffing we're just above the air Flying around. Nobody's making any effort. Talking about cassette tapes yeah. and sound effects. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. We just keep being the pilot that comes on and is like, any minute now, Ed. folks. Just wait for that <laughs> runway to be clear. And you're like, oh my God, this is why I don't fly to Detroit. Why am I here? Why am I here? Yeah. Uh-huh. So we're gonna, you know, come back with another episode where we probably struggle to uh end at the end. Yeah, we well, can't land the plane, but you no. love us and you we'll love see us you anyway. next time. And yeah. in the meantime, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just. It's just fact. <laughs> and because now this is this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.